0: So what it is is, like, you know how, like, there's four suits and cards? There's four suits here, and then there's also special suits, like the northwest, south, and the dragons, and the flowers, and then uh, six seasons. And then there's variations in oh, mahjong. Oh, where you have a tile Well, no, pong was ping pong. You know uh, those, that's uh, but it was, right, right? yeah. yeah. No, okay, before that, yeah. before
1: I always felt it, you
2: office, know it is. Pong. It really was ping pong that made pong, and I always felt bad for ping,
3: like he was like, right, Luigi. he was like Luigi. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think we're going to stick with Mario, Luigi. Listen, Ping, I've been meaning to call you.
3: Yeah, we're going with Pong, Ping.
0: So you know the big story of the comedy connection to Pong is that Atari is out of Sunnyvale, and they created a coin-operated Pong machine, and they put it in a bar called Andy Caps. Uh-huh. That bar, caps in and Somerville, or whatever it is, like, is uh, Rooster T. Feathers' comedy club now. Uh-huh. That was the original bar with the first Pong which appeared. And the people played it so much that it would jam with quarters. <laughs>
4: Hey, welcome to the weekly review. I have some technical issues here getting things started up. Usually start off with some music, and I'm going to see if I can get some going on on a different computer here. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be uh, with you shortly. It's taken, taken a little while just to get set up here, so please do stay tuned. Ah. There are shows here every day of the week on Mutiny Radio. Check out MutinyRadio.fm for more info. <coughs> and let's see if we can start up again.
0: is old Henny Youngman
5: thing. Too long there's a permanent piece in your right and stand there's a midget
4: to the weekly review again thanks so much for tuning in start off with some music that was uh, sigaros with Ooh. is Jackie and before that we heard sly and the family stone with stand it is friday june we're in june june 5th june 6th it's june 6th 2020 we're broadcasting live from mutiny radio we're in the mission district in san francisco we're on ohlone land to learn more about the land please and the folks who have been here go to remitash.com, and that's r a m a y t u s h.com you can also check out the indigenous mutual aid project and that's indigenousmutualaid.org you can find ways uh, find resources there support and you can donate and also i want to encourage folks to donate to the Shumi Land tax that's s h uh, u u m i land tax, and that will bring you to the Segurite land trust page. Um, Yeah, wow, okay. I will be playing clips from protests, Uh, speakers from protests, and also folks who have been interviewed this week, and um, yeah, that's what I have on plan for the show. Of course, as you can probably tell, uh, one can plan a bit, and things might not necessarily go as we, we think they should or could um however we're here so gonna bring you the show pretty there's just a lot so much going on of course and wanting to it's difficult to find uh, the right words for everything and also just there's so many so many things that are happening simultaneously and there's like a global uprising happening not like there is one um in athens the um leave through Molotov cocktails at the US Embassy. There have been thousands of people are protesting in San Francisco on I've lost track of the days, as I'm sure many folks have. It was two days ago. It was incredible. Folks have been not just protesting in major cities in the US, but every every you know, state as well as Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Guam. I believe like folks like all around the world there was a solidarity protest in Vienna there's ones in France of course in London and those are very um, I guess, the European ones that we hear about there's one in Tokyo and I'm sure there's plenty more that um, I don't know about so it's um, in this country, the United States has never dealt with its brutal, genocidal history. And here we are. And also how things have continued. It's not like the history ever left us. It's continued on to this day, and the oppressive forces that we see are still here. And more and more people are realizing that it's a little late for that, and also, here we are. I wasn't planning on doing very much talking today. I wanted to share voices of other folks, um, as well as um, share a few resources and news items. I guess the one thing I can start off with is... The uh, the idea is that a lot of folks we you know people have been pushing for abolition for a long time and not police reform and so I like many other folks it's a matter of learning and um, recognizing the differences and oftentimes there p- people push for oh we'll have police reform however a lot of people have already put in police reform and obviously it doesn't do a goddamn thing in San Francisco for instance we've had all these. "Quote unquote reforms in place, and the police still brutally attack people. They kill people. They arrested some teenagers and a journalist after the march on Wednesday. Was that the day? Yes. So, and it's in New York and in Buffalo. Like there, in L.A., there are so many. Minneapolis. I've still lost track of the number of places. Where, I mean, folks are sharing their. Video footage of police brutality, and of course, this is nothing new in this country. There was a video, though, in uh, in Paris, which I, I again, like, I feel like I've been reading so much and uh, absorbing it so much that it's hard to remember what happened when. Uh, there was a video posted on Twitter, though, of folks protesting in France, and they were chanting in French, uh, Toulamon deteste la police" or something. But it was like pretty much like. Uh, everyone in the world hates police and it was beautiful and so i wanted to share uh, this graph chart i'm still also just waking up did not the last few months i've been getting here trying to get here on the early side to um sanitize the best of my ability um wipe things down a bit and today i barely got here at 12 so barely enough time and then also the computer battery is, needs to be replaced. So unless it's like plugged in, uh, it shuts off. Hence the, the stoppage of music this morning. So that's what's going on. Okay. That's neither here nor there. Just uh, whoo, painting the scene for all you listeners. And again, thanks so much for listening. So this, this is a, a thread I found on Twitter. And it's uh, the author you can find at Amanda. Lee Law, and that's A-M-A-N-D-A-L-E-I-G-H-L-A-W. The police state wasn't built in one day or imagined by one person. It will not be dismantled in one day, and there isn't one person alive who can tell you exactly what a world with no police will be like. Bold steps will get us there, steps to shrink police spending, and reliance to zero. So there's a chart here that has uh, reformist reforms versus abolitionist steps in policing. And I'm going to see if I can make this a little bit larger so I can read it. Share it with you all. And again, if you like, take a look and find on Twitter. I've also shared it. I'm going to share it again. You can follow me at R O M A N R I M E R. And let me see if I can do a screen capture of this. I did create a list of all the things I want to go through today and share. And if it's anything like previous shows, uh, eh, I'll be waking up in a little bit. And I know it's only a little bit after noon, but it's just been a lot. Ugh, a lot going on. Let's see. How can we... Um... Hmm. Uh... Hmm, 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 hmm. Oh, this is... Alright, I'm gonna a what they say put a pin on it put a pin in it hopefully we come back to that but please do check it out um, let me see if I can at least they talk about um, so I can at least I can't read most some of the text but read part of it I am really just woof okay so they talk about body cameras oh I see okay now I can see a little bit more clearly. Okay, so they talk about reformist reforms versus abolitionist steps in policing. And these charts break down the difference between reformist reforms, which continue to or expand the reach of policing, and abolitionist steps that work to chip away and reduce the overall its overall impact. As we struggle to decrease the power of policing, there are also positive and proactive investments we can make in community health and well-being. And that's a big thing. I did see a chart of the starting salary for a San Francisco police officer uh, versus a San Francisco Unified School District teacher. Let's see if I can uh, pull that up as we, I, I'll, then I'll go back to the chart here. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, let's see, yes, okay. SFPD starting salary is $89,856. Meanwhile, the starting salary for someone who's a teacher at the Unified School District here in San Francisco is $39,990. I don't know about you, but um, that's pretty fucking disgusting. And I also heard that the police officers who were getting overtime on Wednesday, or maybe it was another day, they've been out pretty much most nights, uh, is $192 an hour. I have never made... Th- I mean, that's obscene. And on top of that, they're causing harm. So if even if folks can't even look at it on a moral standpoint, which I feel like they should, if they're only looking at it financially, that money could go to so many other things. And a lot of things that the people complain about or that they think we need police for, such, you know, folks... It's like, people here need housing. People here need healthcare. People here need to not be paying student loan debts. People should be getting a free education. City college should be expanded. Uh, public transit could be made better. We could fix the infrastructure. There's ho- potholes in the streets and like it's not every place is ex- uh, is accessible. So there are so many things that could be done yet the money is going to somebody with weapons who attacks people. I think that's pretty sick (sighs) oh yes so let's get back to this chart body cameras Uh, body cameras actually increase funding to police and we don't want to do that we don't want to give them even more money oh yeah now I've been able to zoom Uh, yeah it's great when you can actually see what you're reading okay so Body cameras increase funding. Equipping police officers with body cameras will require more money going toward police budgets. We do not want that. So the challenge, the notion that police increase safety. No, body cameras, which you all know that they fucking turn off a lot of the time. uh, Body camera. And also, you could have something on camera and people will still fucking deny that it happened. Okay. (sighs) Body cameras are pitched as making police more accountable increasing the idea that policing done quote-unquote right makes people safe. Reduce tools, tactics, and technology police have at their disposal increases. Body cameras provide the police with another tool, increasing surveillance and increasing police budgets to acquire more gadgets. So as far as reduce, does this reduce the scale of policing? It actually, body cameras increase the scale of policing. Body cameras are based on the idea that the police... Who do not use excessive force, and that's in quotation marks, are less threatening. But police can turn off body cameras, and when used, footage often doesn't have the impact that community members want, or is used for, or it's used for surveillance. It's even larger. Okay. The next section on this chart is community policing. Um, will that re- reduce funding to police? No. Advocates of community policing argue that departments will have to hire more cops to be in neighborhoods and in the community. Uh, the challenge, Does this challenge the notion that police increase safety? No. This is based on the belief that policing is focused on keeping people safe and the violence of policing is caused by breakdown of trust with the community. Will this reduce tools, tactics, technology police have at their disposal? It increases it. Cops are trained in additional tactics and approaches. Will this will community policing reduce the scale of policing? No. More community police means that the scale of policing will increase, particularly in black, brown, poor neighborhoods where there is a perceived uh, mistrust. Next up is more training. People will say, "Oh, give them more training." Uh, no, it doesn't fucking work. So. As far as the funding, it does not reduce the funding. More training will require more funding and resources going to police to develop and run trainings. Uh, the next category challenge the notion that police increase safety. No. This furthers the belief that better training would ensure that we can rely on police for safety and that increases of police harm uh, excuse me, that instances of police harm and violence occur because of lack of training. It increases uh, tactics, technology that the police have at their disposal. And as far as reducing the scale of policing, no. This will increase the scope of policing given the type of training. For instance, some advocate for police to be trained on how to respond to mental health crises, 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 crises. Furthering the idea that police are the go-to for every kind of problem. And we know um, Kayla Moore, for instance, was a... A trans woman who was murdered in Berkeley by the police, a black trans woman who was murdered by police in Berkeley. And she had a mental health condition and police. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to provide a trigger warning before this show. Uh, It's. I constantly have this difficulty in wanting to share what's happening and what has happened without further re traumatizing folks, and it's. still unsure how to do that, and I recognize it's better to speak up than to not say anything at all, and at the same time, wanting to be mindful of sharing information, and there's a lot of stuff that folks already know, and um, preaching to the choir, and another another part of it is wanting to educate folks who, don't, who might not know, who want to know, and um, so just putting that out there, and yeah. So going back to the idea of do not call the police, ever, and also especially not Um, in regards to mental health. Um, folks are having mental health issues. Okay, next up, civilian review oversight boards. Uh, this does not reduce funding to police. In some cases, there would be an increase in funding, whereas in other cases, there would be no change. It does not change the notion that police, uh, increase safety, because overseeing the police through a board presumes that cases of excessive force, killing, lying, planting false information, etc. are exceptional occurrences rather than part of the daily violence of policing. And no, this does not reduce the tools that police would use. Some argue for civilian review boards, uh, quote-unquote, with teeth, the power to make decisions and take away policing tools and tactics. However, a board... But that level of power has never existed despite 50-plus years of organizing for them. And does this reduce the scale of policing? No. This further entrenches policing as a legitimate, reformable system with a quote-unquote community mandate. Some boards tasked with overseeing them become structurally invested in their existence. And the last um, part for the uh, reformist idea is that folks say, oh, jail killer cops prosecute police who have killed and abused c- civilians. And this prosecuting police does not lead to changes in funding or resourcing police. Uh, indiv- individualizing police violence creates a false distinction between good police who keep us safe and bad police who are unusual cases. Rather than challenging the assumption that policing creates safety or examining policing in systemic violence. Or excuse, excuse me, examining police as systemic violence. And as far as reducing tools, no. Often, media attention in ho- high-profile cases leads to more resources and technology, including body cameras and quote-unquote training. And finally, does this reduce the scale of policing this reinforces the prison industrial complex by portraying killer or corrupt cops as "quote unquote" bad apples, rather than part of a regular system of violence, Re- and it reinforces the idea that uh, prosecution and prison serve real justice. Okay, so then that's the that's the idea that a lot of folks who are pushing for police reform. Put out there, and a lot of cities have it. I think San Francisco has all of those, and it still doesn't fucking work. So then there's the folks pushing for abolition, and I am I believe in absolutely that. And so here are some other, some different, I should say, some um, ways that folks can actually work towards prison abolition. So first is uh, suspending the use of paid administrative leave for cops under investigation. Uh, This increase, uh, this uh, this Um, This will reduce funding to police. Uh, This can increase community-based budgets as municipalities uh, that no longer have to pay for policing's harm against community members. And this also challenges the notion that police increase safety because it challenges the notion that policing uh, violence and the administrative costs it incurs are essential risks of creating quote-unquote safety. It reduces the tools and tactics and technology that police have at their disposal because uh, access to paid administrative leave uh, lessens the consequences of use of force and presumes the right of police to use violence at all. So if someone can get away with it or even get put on paid administrative leave, why why would they think twice about it if they're not being punished? And it also does reduce This would reduce the scale of policing, uh, the less financial support for police undergoing investigation for killing and excessive force, excessive use of force, uh, the less support for policing. Um, Another, okay, so that's the first thing. Second thing, withhold pensions and don't rehire cops involved in excessive force. There was an SFPD officer who I think was like hired in, again, I read this article in the last maybe 48 hours and I. There's a – anyway, there's another – I believe it's an East Bay municipality where there was a SFPD officer who um, was, like, fired and then rehired in a different district. And that happens quite a bit, unfortunately. Okay. So withhold pensions and don't rehire cops involved in excessive force. Yes. This Okay. So this does reduce police funding. Uh, This can increase community-based budgets as municipalities that they no longer pay for policing's – harm against community members uh challenge this challenge the notion that police increase safety yes it challenges the notion that killings and excessive force are exceptions rather than the rule it also reduces the ability of police forces to move around or re-engage cops known for their use of violence and it also does reduce the scale of policing the next thing folks can do we can push for is requiring cops to be liable for misconduct settlements Uh, This will increase community-based budgets as municipalities because they no longer have to pay for policing's harm against community members. It also challenges the notion that policing and all its costs are essential components of safety. Community members should not pay for its inevitable violence. This also does reduce tools that uh, police can use. It creates pressure for police to account for their actions, at least financially, and limits legitimacy of policing violence as inevitable, and yes, this does reduce the scale of policing. I also want to mention that folks can also find this chart at criticalresistance.org. This is uh, the folks who put out this chart, so again, criticalresistance.org, find more information there, and there's three more. Cap overtime uh, accrual and overtime pay for military exercises. Uh, Again, this would increase community-based budgets since we don't have to pay for cops learning how to better make war on our communities. It also challenges the notion that we need police to be trained for uh, quote-unquote counterterrorism and other military-style action and surveillance in the guise of increasing quote-unquote safety. Uh, Weapons trainings and expos are used to scale up policing infrastructure and shape goals for future tools, tactics, and technology. And the STEPS police... Excuse me. This stops police from increasing their legitimacy, capacity, and skills as the as the blue line, and it's in quotations, in order to expand their reach over our daily lives and community spaces. The next thing is to withdraw participation in police militarization programs. Uh, This can increase community-based budgets since we won't have to pay for cops learning how to better make war on our communities it challenges the notion that we need police to be trained for counterterrorism and other military style action and surveillance in the guise of increasing safety weapons trainings and expos are used to scale up policing infrastructure and shape goals for future tools tactics and technology also this stops police from increasing their legitimacy capacity and skills as a thin as a thin blue line in order to respond, expand their reach over Our daily lives and community spaces. And the last uh, thing that folks can push for is to prioritize spending on community health, education, and affordable housing. This is like a fucking (sighs) no-brainer. If we decrease funding for policing, this will decrease its resources. Prioritizing funding resources also creates space to imagine, learn about, and make resources that actually create well-being. If we decrease funding for policing, this will decrease the expansion of tools and technology. If we decrease funding for policing, this will decrease the size, scope, and capacity of systems of policing. So again, thanks uh, to Critical Resistance for sharing this chart. And thanks to Amanda Lee Law for sharing this on Twitter. And yeah, so... going to play some music and set up some clips of folks who've been speaking at protests and being interviewed and then we'll be back um afterwards and get myself together a little bit more big thanks to all the folks out there for listening uh, there's so many ways to show up and so many different tactics one can use and there's like unending unending ways so even if you can't make it into the streets there's so many ways to do uh Jail support, you can donate to bail funds, you can create art and create signs, you can put pressure on elected officials to stop funding the fucking police, you can have conversations with family members and other friends who might be, I don't know, in support of police or not quite understanding what's happening with the protesting. If you know anyone in the National Guard, there are resources for folks who refuse to serve. If you happen to know any cops, I don't think I know any, I mean... I don't know any, but maybe I know people. Maybe you know someone who knows a cop or someone. Tell them to fucking quit. There's a lot of uh, other ways you can help people. Actually, that doesn't even help people. Policing doesn't help people. So there's a lot of other things that people can do that don't involve being cops. So there's a lot of different ways to to show up. And this is just, again, to be the iceberg. Also learning about history and reading. And there's just a lot. So, okay.
6: Ugh. <sighs>
7: I wanna be, only way I've, I've been practicing my whole life to live my life is to be responsible for what I do. I don't know how to be responsible for what every black male did. I don't know, I, yes I am gonna say that I'm a thug. That's because I came from the gutter and I'm still here. I see no changes, all I see is racist faces. Misplaced, hate makes disgrace to racist. We under, I wonder what it takes to make this. What better place, well, race the race to waste it? Take the evil out the people, they'll be acting right. Cause both black and white. It's
5: be the same, that's just the way you
4: Uh, welcome back. That was not the version I meant to play. Uh, <laughs> typed it in. So there we go. I'm um, gonna go back and play a little bit more music, and then we'll be back. And welcome back. Uh, first up, a video here that is shared from two Mainstream. That's T-O-O-M-A-N-E-S-T-R-E-A-M. This is a uh, Kimberly Jones uh, speaking. shared sure to. Honor
8: seeing a lot of things talking of the people making commentary Um, interestingly enough the ones I've noticed that have been making the commentary are wealthy black people making the commentary about we should not be um, rioting, we should not be looting we should not be tearing up our own communities and then there's been an argument of the other side of we should be hitting them in the pocket we should be focusing on the blackout days where we don't spend money Um, but you know I feel like we should do both, and I feel like I support both, and I'll tell you why, I support support both because when you have a civil unrest like this, there are three types of people in the streets. There are the protesters, there are the rioters, and there are the looters. The protesters are there because they actually care about what is happening in the community. They want to raise their voices, and they are there strictly to protest. You have the rioters who are angry, who are anarchists, who really just want to fuck shit up and that's what they're gonna do regardless. And then you have the looters, and the looters almost exclusively are just there to do that, to loot. Now, people are like, well, what did you gain? Well, what did you get from looting? I think that as long as we're focusing on the what, we're not focusing on the why, and that's my issue with that. As long as we're focusing on what they're doing, we're not focusing on why they're doing. And some people are like, well, those aren't people who are legitimately angry about what's happening. Those are people who just wanna get stuff. Okay, well then, let's go with that. Let's say that's what it is. Let's ask ourselves why in this country, in 2020, the financial gap between poor blacks and the rest of the world is at such a distance that people feel like their only hope and only opportunity to get some of the things that we flaunt a flash in front of them all the time is to walk through a broken glass window and get it. That they are so hopeless that getting that necklace, getting that TV, getting that change, getting that bed, getting that phone, Whatever it is that they're going to get is that in that moment when the riots happen and if they present an opportunity of looting, that's their only opportunity to get it. We need to be questioning that. Why? Why are people that poor? Why are people that broke? Why are people that that food insecure, that clothing insecure, that they feel like their only shot that they are shooting their shot? by walking through a broken glass window to get what they need. And then people want to talk about, well, there's plenty of people who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and got it on their own. Why can't they do that? Let me explain to you something about economics in America. And I'm so glad that as a child I got an opportunity to spend time at PUSH where they taught me this, is that we must never forget that economics was the reason that black people were brought to this country. We came to do the agricultural work in the south and the textile work in the north. Do you understand that? That's what we came to do. We came to do the agricultural work in the south and the textile work in the north. Now, if I right now, if I right now decided that I wanted to play Monopoly with you and for 400 rounds of playing Monopoly, I didn't allow you to have any money. I didn't allow you to have anything on the board. I didn't allow for you to have anything. And then we played another 50 rounds of Monopoly and everything that you gained and you earned while you were playing that round of Monopoly was taken from you. That was Tulsa. That was Rosewood. Those are places where we built black economic wealth, where we were self-sufficient, where we owned our stores, where we owned our property, and they burned them to the ground. So that's 450 years. So for 400 rounds of Monopoly, you don't get to play at all. Not only do you not get to play, you have to play on the behalf of the person that you're playing against. You have to play and make money and earn wealth for them and then you have to turn it over to them. So then for 50 years, you finally get a little bit and you're allowed to play and every time that they don't like the way that you're playing or that you're catching up or that you're doing something to be self-sufficient, they burn your game. They burn your cards. They burn your monopoly money. And then, finally, at the release and the onset of that, they allow you to play and they say, okay, now you catch up. Now, at this point, the only way you're going to catch up in the game is if the person shares the wealth, correct? But what if every time you share the wealth, then there's psychological warfare against you to say, oh, you're an equal opportunity higher. So if I played 400 rounds of Monopoly with you and I had to play and give you every dime that I made, and then for 50 years, every time that I played, If you didn't like what I did, you got to burn it like they did in Tulsa and like they did in Rosewood. How can you win? How can you win? You can't win the game is fixed. So when they say, why do you burn down the community? Why do you burn down your own neighborhood? It's not ours. We don't own anything. We don't own anything. There is. Trevor Noah said it so beautifully last night. There's a social contract that we all have that if you steal or if I steal, then the person who is the authority comes in and they fix the situation. But the person who fixes the situation is killing us. So the social contract is broken. And if the social contract is broken, why the fuck do I give a shit about burning the fucking football Hall of Fame about burning a fucking target? You broke the contract. When you killed us in the streets and didn't give a fuck. You broke the contract when for 400 years we played your game and built your wealth. You broke the contract when we built our wealth again on our own by our bootstraps in Tulsa and you dropped bombs on us. When we built it in Rosewood and you came in and you slaughtered us. You broke the contract, so fuck your target. Fuck your Hall of Fame. As far as I'm concerned, they could burn this bitch to the ground and it still wouldn't be enough and they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge.
4: That was uh, Kimberly Jones and you can find that video. It's on uh, YouTube and it was shared through David Jones Media and it's called "How Can We Win?" and that's on it was uh, published on June first, twenty twenty. And next up, some speakers from Oakland. Try to get this all set up. Uh, this speaker here. Let's see, this is a uh, Dominique Walker. Um, and Dominique Walker, folks might know, who is one of the Uh, activists involved with uh, Moms for Housing.
2: For us, with AR-15, robots, military gear for mothers and babies. So I think at this time, it is important that we stick together and we organize. After this this righteous anger, we get in our communities and we organize. Because we the people, this system is crumbling we it all over the world. We are going to decide what happens next. They came for us.
4: All right, that's a bit of a clip there. And I was looking for longer ones. That's what I've got for now. And this was shared by East Bay Majority. You can follow them on Twitter. And again, um, that was uh, Dominique Walker from Moms for Housing. And also, want to note that al- at a lot of these protests, they've had uh, folks there doing ASL. So they have uh, folks there doing sign language. All right, the next step I'm trying to get these all set up. One day I will edit these, and it'll be all one smooth show. All right, next up is also from Oakland. This is uh, Jessica from the Black Org Project, and you can follow them at black org project on twitter and this is about getting the police out of the oakland unified school district
2: we have been fighting to eliminate police out of schools we have been fighting for oakland
4: Rachel Jackson. And here we go.
1: So, fuck that curfew, right? Yeah. Fuck that curfew. Fuck that curfew. While we're at it, you know what? Always. Fuck these motherfucking police. <laughs> fuck that helicopter. <laughs> fuck that helicopter wherever he is. they projectiles, their tear gas, their uh, what else do they have? Rubber bullets? We are in fireworks. Flashbangs. You know, it's a mil- we are, they have been gearing up. Let's be really clear, we've been talking about military budgets. We've been watching them bring, we've been watching them bring weapons and tanks back from Iraq and from other places where they've come back and they bring them here, they bring them to cities, they bring they bring all of these tanks and these hardware, and they give it to Modesto, and they give it to Tracy, and they take it to, to uh, Dublin and places like that. But this is what it's for. It's for us, it's to put us down. And clearly, it didn't work. major cities, but also small cities, also small places, also Tracy and um, and Modesto and Turlock and the same places that got those, the same places that have been getting those tanks, they've been having protests anyway. And so what I'm saying is, is that there's a fascist program that's getting set up, a military state that's getting set up around us, but it's failing. It's failing. Now that shocked the shit out of them. their weapons don't work, and people stand up to their tear gas, and people stand up to the rubber bullets, and stand up to getting smacked with a baton when their weapons don't work, then the next thing they do is they have to fuck with our heads.
4: All right, and i going to have uh, another speaker, and this is uh Ak, and Uh, posted through uh, Indie Bay. You can follow Indie Bay at at I-N-D-Y-B-A-Y. What's
9: the call? Yeah. What's the call?
6: Yeah.
9: Fuck the curfew!
6: Yeah.
9: So there's a few things I want to do. When I come up here, I never come up here to say uh, words that get you around I want to say something that you can carry with you because I'm an organizer. So I never step up with these motherfucker to say something that's just uh, uh, pleasing, right? So what I'm going to talk about and what's very, very important in this moment is do not let these motherfuckers switch the narrative. Do not let these motherfuckers switch the narrative. Whether you bust fucking windows, whether you come and sit down, it's repression that created the conditions. Right. right. It's repression that created the conditions. When you stand on a people's neck, none of us can dictate how the fuck that goes. Right? So do not let these motherfuckers switch the narrative. Violent or nonviolent, they coming down on our ass. Violent or non-violent, they're coming down on our ass. They killed Dr. King and Malcolm. So do not let these motherfuckers switch the narrative. It's a time coming soon where they're going to try to amp up and ramp up the repression. And the thing that they will count on is that we fight and argue over tactics. We better get smart than a motherfucker. We better learn how to use our motherfucking inside voice when we deal with this shit. That's right. We better learn to talk with our motherfucking inside voice when it comes to strategies and tactics. Thank
7: you.
9: We got the same goddamn enemy. They don't give a fuck whether you break a window or whether you sit down. All they care about is if your tactics are effectively fucking with their shit. That's all they care about.
4: All right, that was uh, Terha and you can find these videos, um, IndieBay has share them, I'm sure there are more. Oh, I also got Cat uh, Brooks. I'm going to play
2: Cat. Uh, I want to point out that there are snipers on top of that building over there. There are snipers on 16th and Broadway and somewhere around 7th Street, so they're waiting
1: on y'all. The they're waiting thing? on us.
2: You heard what Rebecca talked about—that they're used to tear gas and all this other stuff that makes people cough. This is not public fucking safety. We are here peacefully assembled. What are they? How many thousands of there are? We don't need no fucking police. We keep the safe. Yeah. I want to point
4: out. All right, so that was Kat Brooks and they also have a video of how to say fuck the police in ASL. And they also have a uh, panorama of the crowd and lots of info. and there's also I'm just going to go up the list here. There's uh, Liz from Oakland Rising who uh, speaks about the ties between US imperialism and domestic policing. So photo, it looks like, and see if we can get some more footage of the crowd, lots and lots of folks, Indigenous drummers and dancers. Yeah, this is uh, Indigenous drummers and dancers in amphitheater in front of City Hall in in Oakland. This was on June 3rd. Uh, Let's see if we can get the volume up here. more video footage of the number of folks, lots and lots of people. And also I'm gonna read that the Oakland community demands in advance of uh, curfew action. So this was again on June 3rd. And since then, curfews have been lifted. However, i would wanna share, uh, APTP is a great um, organization, you can follow them. And uh, lots of info there. This was shared on indiebay.org. Oh, there's just so much. It's difficult to, and that's always been a thing, difficult to uh, fully encapsulate the moment in uh, uh, a limited amount of time, and also it's in this medium, and um, so many folks are out speaking and putting their bodies on the line. Uh, I'm going to just share links to a few things, and I'm not going to really read too much more. I did want to share links that folks can check out, if you um, just to share information. This is from the markup, themarkup.org. Uh, it's how do I prepare my phone for a protest, and it came out on June fourth, twenty twenty. And just read a little bit here. And uh, one thing demonstrators should be aware of before they head out is that their cell phones may be subject may subject them to surveillance tactics by law enforcement. If your cell phone is on and unsecured, not only can your location be tracked, but your messages and the content of your phone. May also be retrieved by police either if they take custody of your phone, or later by warrant or subpoena. And uh, some guides they say, well, some guides uh, recommend buying a separate burner phone or leaving your phone at home entirely. There are trade-offs and barriers to some of those, some of these recommendations, and everyone can afford to buy a separate phone just for protesting, especially during one of the greatest economic downturns uh, seen since the Great Depression. And while leaving your phone behind means the data it holds and transmits will be safest it will ever be, it also means giving up access to important resources, it becomes much more difficult to coordinate with people in other parts of the protest and to get updates from places like Twitter or others monitoring the action remotely. For many people, their phone is the only camera they own to document what's happening. So links here they, the information there they have um, is to download signal it's a messaging app and some more information lockdown location tracking uh, harden your hardware use a passcode not a fingerprint and there's all these uh, there's descriptions under each of these categories so I'm just giving you the brief overview please do check out the article at the markup.org uh, neutralize notifications uh, think before you share. Uh, physicalize your phone book and so yes lots of info and let me just also bring it up this was uh, written by Maddie Varner and uh, simple steps to take before hitting the streets so I'm going to share that again the markup.org I'm gonna look down the list here and as you know as we go on folks and folks are sharing more and more info also there's a bunch of sex workers who are looking to out Lindsey Graham so that's pretty fucking righteous. Again, sex workers will <laughs> are continuing to save the world. And uh, There's also, I wanted to share um, an article from 972mag.com. And U.S. Jews are standing up for black lives. Why aren't we doing so for Palestinians? Uh, by failing to speak out over the killings of Palestinians like Iliad al-Halak, U.S. Jewish groups are devaluing our stance against state violence at home. This was written by Oren Kroll Zeldin and it came out on June 4th, 2020. Read a little bit here. Um, There's a lot here. So I do want to just recommend that folks, please do check this out. My voice is starting to go. You go to www.972mag.com. Again, the author is Oren Kroll Zeldin. do check that out next up oh there's a threat on tear gas okay a threat on tear gas so this is from lisa song and you can follow lisa at on twitter at lisa l s o n g uh, and lisa says tear gas is way more dangerous than cops say it can cause long lasting harm damages skin seeps into bystanders homes and contaminates what it touches calling it non-lethal ignores critical info we're in the middle of a respiratory pandemic this is what you need to know Tear gas is specially designed to cause pain. It can be 100,000 times stronger than the sting from wasabi. That's according to at S-E-J-O-R-D-T, a professor of anesthesiology at Duke University. It's particularly painful on skin and eyes. When inhaled, the pain makes people cough. Philadelphia's police commissioner called it a means of safe to safe, safely diffuse a volatile and dangerous situation. But tear gas is not safe. Here's what the research says. Soldiers exposed to tear gas were at higher risk for influenza, pneumonia, bronchitis, and other respiratory illnesses. Studies of civilians in Turkey found that people who are repeatedly exposed to tear gas are more likely to have chronic bronchitis or chest pains and coughing that can lead for weeks. Tear gas may also be linked to miscarriages. Tear gas is banned in international warfare, uh, but the riot control agent has been turned on Americans over the last week, often indiscriminately, Here's how it can make coronavirus spread faster. Tear gas could trigger an asthma attack or weaken the body's ability to stave off COVID-19. If your lungs are already wheezing and coughing, it's unable to have that reserve to fight off any infection. And um, that's by um, pervipar Okay, MD. Okay, so it's P-U-R-V-I-P-A-R-I-K-H-M-D, doctor, and... uh, N-Y-U-L-A-N-G-O-N-E. Uh, remember that uh, when doctors urged everyone to cough into their elbows to help stop the spread of COVID, COVID, imagine doing that after inhaling tear gas. Not only are you vigorously coughing, you're vigorously inhaling to try to get more air in. And there's a doctor at Harvard Med, uh, at A-B-R-A-A-R-K-A-R-A-N, who said that? And these are just like the Twitter handles. Um, I'm reading the thread. Uh, add that to the fact that many people dealing with tear gas are just sitting in their homes, not even participating in these protests. It has seeped into homes and businesses where it can contaminate food, clothing, and furniture. Here's what, to, here's what to do if this happens. Wipe down countertops and other surfaces with large amounts of water and soap, S-E-J-O-R-T-O-R-D-T advises. Any food that wasn't in a closed container should be could be contaminated and should be thrown out in extreme cases, you may need to contact professional cleaning services police tactics and tools can make matters worse the technology for deploying tear gas is advancing far more quickly than scientists understanding of the impacts and then there's a full story at propublica.org about that called tear gas is way more dangerous than police let on um and then lisa also says we are going to keep covering police tactics and crowd control techniques and you can send lisa tips and sign up for It's time for some music. Oh my, there's a lot. Didn't p- select too much music already today, uh, as I again a bit of a late start and also just the very uh, so much going on this week. Uh, um, I appreciated the cigarros earlier, so I'm going to see if I can find some more music. Of theirs tends to be you know, healing, so find so, some more music of theirs. Alright, here's a good uh, 10 minute song that should be hopefully enough time for me to uh, get everything here together.
6: I think that these days you couldn't get lost But you can
9: my way
10: every field just looks like the next
4: all right I'm gonna make an executive decision and uh, <laughs> look for a different one again sometimes this is what happens when uh, I don't quite I don't quite uh prepare as much as I would like again it's been a week. the Sigurus album, Voltari, got a little bit more for you today on the show. Again, apologies as uh, the technical difficulties, uh, just, oof, I, I know I'm not alone with uh, it's witnessing all that's happening, and it's, there's so much in my heart and my mind. witnessing it and wanting to speak up and act <sighs> and do what I can. I uh, wanted to share another article. Uh, how to be an anti-fascist fascist from your couch. And this was uh, published in The Nation, uh, written by Talia Lavin, and it came out today. And, uh, under Underline is, uh, or not, underline, you know what I mean. uh, You don't have to punch Nazis to fight fascism. So there's a lot of ways that folks can show up, so I, d- I do want to direct folks to just a lot of ways that people can show up, again, in the nation, how to be an anti-fascist from your couch. And next up, I think for the rest of the program, I'm going to play a little bit, and by a little bit, obviously, don't admit my word, it'll be a lot of a bit, because got another 20 minutes or so. Uh, the Do No Harm Coalition provided a street medic bridge training for medical professionals. And you can find it on YouTube. If you go to the uh, Do No Harm Coalition um, page, and see it. and I'll put down this music a little bit. It's nice. It's uh maybe I should just have that on the entire time. Just uh. okay. And I'll uh, just read a little bit about the video. Um, Disclaimer, watching this video is a first step to prepare those who are clinical professionals to translate skills onto the streets to assist street medics and to provide primary support in places where there are no street medics. This training was made in response to calls from brown and black community in the Bay Area to he- to get help from violence from police during current protests it is by no means complete or perfect. The work of street medics has a deep lineage in anti-oppressive struggles. Western medicine has a deep lineage of oppression for black, brown, indigenous, and poor people. Please accept this training as a first step to a long process of transforming your own clinical work to be anti-racist and anti-oppressive by giving you some basic tools and knowledge to get out and support the mobilization into the streets. Uh, You're not a vouched street medic through watching a two-hour course. We would encourage anyone with medic training to take at least hours of learning under an experienced street medic. Street medics are there to provide medical care when traditional structures are not available due to active antagonism with the police. As such, it is never appropriate to take a patient's agency away or abandon them by turning them over to the police. We focus on the preparing clinicians for key differences between static clinical setting and a dynamic street setting, between a setting where you are simply worried about a patient to one where you will be worried about a patient and your own safety because of a threat of violence. We will discuss our capacity to provide further training to dive further into the critical issues of consent, anti-oppression work, and decolonizing medicine. Stay humble. So the, um, they also provide some resources. Uh, there's books called Where There Are No Doctors, a book for community health workers, uh, Ditch Medicine, an overview of field medicine, and Riot Medicine, an overview of street medicine and protests, and they recommend the websites, riotmedicine.net, which is a nearly 500-page text recently created, eye washing technique, and uh, a lot more. Herbal Protocols, there's a lot, a lot of resources here. Again, if you can find this video, um, uh, it's on YouTube, Do No Harm Coalition, Street Medic Bridge Training, for medical professionals. And I'm gonna turn off the <laughs> background music. And shared by the uh, hashtag do no harm at UCSF. And let's see they have also the um they also on the page in the comment section they have a list of the different sections. I got two hour our video and they have Description. I don't know about all you listeners, but I'm having difficulty finding words. Uh, All right. There's The preamble, objectives, training overview, data on police violence, preparation, actions to take, what to wear, what to bring, riot control tactics. Like, as far as situational, situational awareness goes, beginning treatment. Then they have info on, like, police weapons. They talk about pepper spray. They talk about tear gas, rubber bullets, stun grenades, stinger pellet grenades, Miscellaneous Kinetic Injuries, Energy, Injury, Psychological Injury, and Resources, and a QA. and a Wow, I want to listen to all of this. I haven't heard this yet. Um, I did go to a talk that they did a few years ago, and uh, I'm really grateful for the folks involved with the Do No Harm Coalition. Uh, Rupa Maria is one of the doctors, as well as, um, excuse me, uh, Noah Morris. So, LAC, so thanks to Rupa and Noah for sharing this info and all the other folks who have contributed, and I want to listen to all of it. So, I think what my plan is, as I talk out loud, um, I feel like the psychological trauma is something that um, I'd like to hear more about at this moment. Um, So I'm going to go click on that section and perhaps if I have a moment, I'll also go down to resources and Q&A before the time runs up on the show. Again, this is the Do No Harm Coalition training.
11: So the other um, last injury we'll touch upon is psychological injury, um, both for our patients that we're treating, like we spoke about before, but then also for ourselves. Um, there's a lot of chaos in these protests. Um, the weapons, like Noah described, are meant to create psychological fear, um, as well as um, physical harm. Um, and so people need treatment for their trauma. You will need treatment if you are um, taking care of people in this um, in this setting, especially going from a controlled clinical setting. We're still in that setting. We need to process our trauma um, from the loss of our patients. Um, but, is, but especially in this situation. Um, for myself, um, probably one of the most intense experiences I had was when that young man who was hit with a rubber grenade at close range, coughed a cup of blood into, into his hands, um, was to realize that I couldn't call 911 for help. Um, this was at Standing Rock where the ambulances and um, were you know working with the sheriff's department. Like the whole 911 response was involved in trying to shut down the um, indigenous resistance to this pipeline. So feeling like you can't call 911, you can't get help when you need it, you can't call a code um, that you're there with your um, clinical team there um, doing the best you can, hopefully moving that person as quickly as you can to safety. But that encountering of your limitations um, is very um, scary. As well as seeing people who are Injured in police custody, um, with, that the police won't let you approach them and help them. That is another um, very traumatic event for um, healthcare professionals. And um, so, for for caring for yourself, I think it's important after these events to go through a process with your colleagues, with your friends, um, people who are there with you, but especially your your medics, your um, street medicine teams, and to think about the rose. We use the rose, the thorn, the bud. Um, conceptualization. So the rose, what was the high point of the service that you gave and the experience? What was the low point, the thorn? And then what's the bud, something that you wish should happen differently, some potential area to grow um, or to do um, differently next time. It's important to learn now, I think, before you enter these protests about trauma-informed therapy um, in care, some people have had a lot of success with trauma-informed care, um, with ceremony, with a technique called EMDR, with herbal medicines and psilocybin. There's some interesting research on that. But I, I know that medicine, Western medicine, tends not to be the best to deal with PTSD and, tr- and chronic um, and trauma like this. So I would um, try to get yourself plugged in and prepared um, before, before you um, before you are in the beret if you can. And um, I just wanted to remind everyone as we've gone through this, um, you know, outlining of all the ways that our, um, our, the bodies of protesters and um, our bodies are being injured, and these are people exercising um, their First Amendment right to speak up um, for their right to health and their right for justice, Um, and that we are um, paying for these weapons. Um, It is shocking to me to watch the militarization of San Francisco and Oakland. When we don't have enough money for um, PPE for everybody and we don't have enough money for hotel rooms for our unhoused friends or services for our unhoused friends, um, that we have enough money to roll in, you know, tanks and all this weaponry. So it is really time for us to start thinking about the allocation of our funding and how we can really prioritize a culture of care and a culture of health. Noah, do you want to run through?
3: Yep. Uh, So here are just uh, some uh, good resources that are out there. There's really great uh, cutely animated uh, general protest safety info is at this uh, Friendly Neighborhood Street Medic Tumblr page. Um, This next link under bail funds, this is a running list of all the different cities that have and their bail funds. Uh, so, you know, we, we'd encourage you to, you know, or if you have the means to help get some other people out of jail. Um, excited Delirium, this is the link to the, the police weapons zine I was speaking about earlier. Uh, it goes into loads of details and schematics and specifics of what is known about the, like, solvents in some of these uh, different companies, proprietary blends. Uh, uh, goes into like actual muzzle velocities, manufacturing specifications of a lot of these weapons, as well as a section that at the time was things coming down the line that includes several weapons we've now started seeing deployed. Uh, Here to support this work, this is, uh, if you want to direct money towards me, I'll redistribute it to various grassroots street medic organizations that uh, I work with around the country and are doing amazing work on the ground Uh, and here is a link to the do no harm coalition if you want to support their work
11: yes so um we will also direct funding towards equipping uh street medic teams and then also share um, any funding with our our coalition members that we're working with right now to get unhoused people off the streets Um, Now in San Francisco, we're increasingly alarmed because most unhoused people um, get harassed by the police. And um, with this curfew, um, even though they're technically exempt, um, people of color are disproportionately represented in unhoused people in San Francisco. And it's um, absolutely urgent that we get them safe shelter as soon as possible. Um, So we do this work. That we do, that we do this work um, in 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 order to move the needle more just quickly, because um, we are tired of seeing Black and Brown people die at the hands of the police, um, and we are tired of incremental change. We need we need more um, we need more dramatic change um, immediately. And so we, this is why we do this work. And we do this work to uplift the people who have lost their lives to police violence and their families. So we thank you for being here. Um, We are going to post this PDF onto the Do No Harm Coalition website. We'll also share it in the Eventbrite um, uh, event page. And then we will be, putting the recording of this session up on YouTube for people to um, circulate and share. All right, and now we are at the question and answer. Wow, we're right on time, shocking. So let's see. Noah, would Um, you like to-
3: Mike, could you feed us some of the questions you've gathered? into the chat, and we can read them out loud and address them. Yes, just a moment here. Um, so I've been actually collecting. Uh, there's, thank you, everyone, for 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 uh, asking so many really excellent questions. I'll I'll um, feed you some of the questions. I've sort of sorted them by by type, um, and so let me let me send you some now.
11: was a question of how many people are on the stream. Um, I saw up to 3,100 people on the stream, um, which is really exciting that so many people um, felt the need to learn this information. There was a question of whether or not there'll be another training, like further training. We'll have to see what our capacity is. Um, we're still working on COVID, as we all know. Um, and and I just want to thank Noah, who jumped at this opportunity to put this together with me, um, literally within a day. Um, So, uh, thank you. Someone offered to transcribe and create closed captioning for this recording. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch with you.
3: Um, I see a lot of questions uh, about folks asking of more specific use of uh, how pseudocon is used. Pseudocon, in its commercial variety, is just like a big wet-wap. Uh, a wet wipe, uh, and so you're going to use it to wipe, you know, and decant- decontaminate skin. Um, the, there is some citric acid in there, so you want to be extra careful if you're using it around people's eyes, um, but one thing we do see is oftentimes you get, after you get chemical weapons out of someone's eyes, they still have the the ocular muscles kind of spasming there, and so they're all squinty eyes, you can't really open their eyes, and so some of the pseudocon uh, and other things like that... Uh, massage could help, you know, relieve and uh, uh, keep those muscles from ending up spasming. But the pseudocon, skin only uh, and super careful around the eyes, uh, and I wouldn't put it in wounds.
11: One of, the, one of the questions that came up was, would you um, check, take your ID with you? That's a really good question. I know that um, many medical providers are worried about um, the legal implications of getting arrested or their, um, the threat to their license. Um, so for myself in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, San Francisco and Oakland, when I show up, I do bring my ID, um, especially right now during COVID um, with these curfews, we are essential um, providers. So if anything, we are exempt from the curfew, which might be even a better reason for us to be showing up to advocate more for our um, for our black and brown community. Um, when I was in North Dakota, I absolutely did not bring my ID with me. I also didn't bring my telephone with me on actions. Um, so some, we relied on um, walkie-talkies there, and, you know, they, the telephones, are, our smartphones are basically devices that can help track us as we've seen with COVID when they would publish like, how far did people drive? They're using our cell phone data. Um, so they track where we are um, and you might not want that information. So you'll you'll have to decide for yourself um, when you wanna bring those things.
3: Um, I'm just gonna uh, I, walk through, walk through uh, some of these yeah. questions on scope that yes. I'm being read. Uh, the first question I'm seeing is, what level is training, uh, required in order to practice safely as a street medic? Uh, so for non-professionally trained medical, uh, personnel, we usually will do, what, uh, a 20-hour basic street medic training, which includes, uh, comprehensive coverage of basic life support and interventions, uh, as well as police weapons and violence and, uh, some of our street tactics and ethos, uh, and goes... A little bit more into critical incident stress uh, mental health work uh, and peer support um, and so this bridge training you know it, street medics tend to question each other who if they don't know you in the streets where they're working uh, so they'll probably ask you where did you get trained you can say you know I'm a doctor from UCSF and I got bridge training from NOAA uh, uh, during the COVID and um, know or you know people will be like you know i was trained uh by folks uh, from on the ground medical in new york city in the bronx in 2002 uh and i would list my trainers and there's a limited number of our trainers so that's how we kind of uh vet people and we mentor folks in the streets um as far as scope of practice of where where what level you can safely practice to I mostly w- recommend only going to basic life support uh, interventions. You don't need to be trying to, like, take anyone or, like, you know, put a chest tube in in the field. We're not there yet. Um, you know, uh, uh, if you're, you're licensed, you're, you're probably not supposed to be giving someone an EpiPen or something like that. But oftentimes I've found, like, people's EpiPens suddenly fall out of their pocket when they're having an anaphylaxis. Uh, and then you can assist them in using their EpiPen or assist them in using the inhaler that appropriately appeared almost by magic at the right time. Um, but you know, it's, it's up to us to like, you know, be where our comfort level is. You know, if things go further, you know, uh, if you work with undocumented communities, you know, I know there are folks here in telemedicine right now, uh, with folks who are too afraid to go to the hospitals because of the police violence. Um. And so, you know, that's going to be more private. That's going to be less publicly available or viewable for what you're doing. So I really just gotta advise you all to use your best pra- best uh, uh, sense and your follow your own heart as far as um, where you go. Uh, uh, you know, again, I wouldn't it, wouldn't it, would refrain from doing a lot of things you might know how to do in the streets. Like if we have a brick-and-mortar clinic elsewhere, uh, as we often do in mass mobilizations, uh, you know, there's often a room that doesn't, like, a room of requirements for you Harry Potter's fan. You know, this door doesn't really exist, but when you need it, this door exists, and there are good things in this back room uh, if we got to care for someone in those ways. Uh, uh, So, yeah, there's a bit of magic to street medicine. Sometimes, you know, uh, there's a lot of gray area of comfort, you know, some of us who have wilderness training have certainly argued to ourselves uh, that given the situation and the chaos, the patient is more than an hour away from definitive care, so I can feel comfortable using my wilderness protocols.
11: So Noah, that, um, that goes to a question that came up about EMS. So, um, it, it, so if you just take a moment, if you've been in a protest, um, try to think of the last time you saw an ambulance or EMS they're tending to wounded people who've been, um, you know, subjected to chemical weapons and um, police, um, kinetic injuries. I I haven't seen it, they come later. They come after the protest has actually moved away um, and the patients are left. So um, it's not that they're not there at all, um, but um, it's that they're there much later. And so your role in street medicine is to temporize, to stabilize, to treat until you can get them moved to a higher level of care. Um, And in certain political environments, such as Standing Rock, where we were in the plains of North Dakota, where the um, histories of um, racist violence between the settlers um, and the indigenous people meant that the the ambulances weren't really there for us. Um, And so you just have to get a good read of what your political situation is um, in the in the context that you're working, um, so um, there's not a one size fits all, but it's just really understanding. In any event, um, EMS is not going to run in um, to the foray. Um, they'll wait until the foray has either moved or you have moved um, the, the patient. Another person asked if there are, are do no harm chapters around the country, and that is um, something that is just starting to grow. So we came together. In 2016, some of the images I shared were from the hunger strike in San Francisco, which is where we got our foundation with supporting um, community members here uh, who were on strike, hunger strike, protesting police violence in San Francisco. Um, And um, we have made a mission statement, a manifesto, if you will that um, we would love to see and has already starting to be replicated around the country. So we want different coalitions to self-organize and to abide by certain principles of organization um, that are decolonizing principles so that we can each grow in our um, capacity for advocacy and our capacity to support um, as many structural changes as possible to alleviate suffering as effectively as we can. There were people in the um, questions who asked about mentorship um, if, if you're at UCSF, come um, sign up for Geno No Harm um, on our website, and, um, and there's many, many mentors um, who you can avail yourself of. And if you're not at UCSF and you would love, um, reach out to me personally through uh, my UCSF email, and I'll see if I can find someone who can help support you.
3: Uh, and to answer a popular question of how do we find street medic organizations doing this work in our area? Um there might not be, depending on where you are. Uh, there are a lot of street medic collectives peppered around the country. Um, you know, North Star Health Collective and around the Twin Cities, my collective, which is more bioregional here in Appalachia, Appalachian Medical Solidarity, New York City Action Medical, uh, obviously in New York, uh, Boston Action Medical, uh Western Cascadia uh Street Medics uh outside Seattle. Uh, Rose hips uh, medical collective in uh, Portland uh, frontline medics down in the southwest there are loads of medic groups um, so you know, I'd you know search on Facebook to see if there are groups we we don't tend to hide ourselves um, one of the graces that we can bring to the movement is 99% of our organiza- organizing efforts can be done in the open where they're providing care for people uh, there's no laws against providing me- like first aid um to people if you so choose um uh.
11: there are lots of questions about scope of practice um so it's just um so anyone who knows bls so basic life support and first aid can get involved in street medic work um you should just be very honest about your level of training and know where you are stepping you know where your limits are of your capacity um so i think that um you know as a physician there's you know not much limit to what i can do in terms of giving meds or um, assessing people Um, but as a medical student um, or someone who's not licensed those are just things to consider um, again, if you're in an emergency situation where someone could possibly die without the use of their EpiPen, um, that those are you know circumstances where um, where you would be protected. So I think those laws are also specific to um, particular um, localities. So just check up, um, just Google your Good Samaritan laws in your in your area.
3: Um we're being asked to clarify when to use water versus other solutions for tear gas and pepper spray. Okay, so uh, for the eyes, nothing but water, medical saline. Y'all may have more readily access to medical saline than a lot of us. Uh, but yeah, water or medical saline, only thing we put in the eyes is what we recommend. Uh, UCSF has a study that shows Maalox, uh on the skin uh, to be soothing um, there are a lot of bad rumors going around milk we don't want to do milk if you're out it it's summertime if you're carrying milk around all day on the heat you're going to be dumping curds in someone's eyes as well as a ton of bacteria yeah you, know, you don't want to be giving them pink eye as well as a chemical burn in the eye. Uh, 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 again malox, we want that for the skin um, water if it's deemed potable i've been told is okay for flushing if you can drink it you can flush it in someone's eyes um as far as follow-up for chemical irritants uh uh, we want to think about what systems. uh, as medical workers we can think about what uh, physiological systems are being affected by by these chemical irritants it's primarily our livers and our kidneys are going to be the ones filtering this crap out of our body after it's gotten in there so, you know, the same kind of dark leafy greens, you know, dark green veggies that, that your liver is going to really like, as well as loads and loads and loads of water um, to help your body and your kidneys flush this stuff out. Um, when the YouTube goes up, we'll add some links to some one-pagers about uh, herbal chemical detoxification uh, from a good herbalist uh, who is a longtime part of the Bay Area Radical Health Collection.
11: There's also a question about what medical students can do, um, who have, you know, they're just at their clerkship level, they're just starting to do their clinical work, so um, your role can definitely be supportive. um, Showing up with your white coat, bringing extra masks and gloves for people. We are in the midst of COVID um, to help remind people how to stay safe during a pandemic if they're protesting bringing a ton of water um, to help prevent dehydration and also to uh, be able to hand over to our street medics to help with irrig- eye irrigation. And then um, I would just find a, someone with more experience to tag along with and to um, assist. And so this is a great learning opportunity for you as well as, um, you know, just like you would learn in the hospital, this is a great chance to learn. And people um, who are there who have more experience can assess where you are with um, what you can do and and ask you to, you know, chip in. Just tell people very honestly what your level of skill is, how much clinical experience you've had, um, and don't be shy about it. This is a great opportunity to train people. Um, All
3: right,
11: one last Is makeup bad? Yeah, so makeup and uh, contacts are not good, because both of these things can trap the um, CS, uh, the solid, the fine powder of tear gas, um, as well as um, just interact with the, the other chemicals. So yeah, don't wear makeup. Um, don't wear lotions on your face. Keep a bare, bare skin and glasses.
3: All right. I'm seeing what types of masks will and will not protect against tear gas and pepper spray. Hey, uh, tear gas. Uh, you need to have filtration that's pretty much going to filter out volatile organic chemicals. Um, so, I what I recommend is a half face respirator and goggles, or a full face respirator uh, that you can buy at any Lowe's or Home Depot or hardware store. Hopefully, you still have a local hardware store, and it's not just Lowe's and Home Depot. Uh, but the Those are uh, great because um, you can get impact-resistant goggles, and the cartridges are readily available uh, around the country. Um, Those are the only ones that I know will actually allow you to operate in a setting